welcome back to the Med School Tutors Podcast, your resource for high-yield tips and proven guidance to help reduce stress and give you tangible tools for success from pre-med through residency and the boards. Let's dive in. Welcome, everybody. I'm super, super excited to be here today. Uh, my name is Dr. Timothy Deister. I'm a senior USMLE tutor and do a lot of other work for med school tutors um, around uh, consulting for both medical school admissions as well as for um, people who are transitioning from medical school to residency. So I spend a lot of time thinking across the continuum about how to make our students successful. And today I'm really excited to be talking through with you about preparing your CV for medical school admissions. We'll be doing a mix of uh, me talking and giving some pro tips along with uh, you having a little bit of time to actually do some work during this session. I'll make sure that the pauses aren't too long. I, I know that anything on Zoom that pauses for uh, too long can get a little bit dry and we'll be keeping this active and fun. And without further ado, we can go ahead and, and jump in. So what we're gonna cover tonight um, are, we'll start with some ground rules. So these are uh, ideas that are gonna apply throughout the application process, although we will put them in the context of preparing a, a CV or a resume. We'll talk a little bit about how do you list out your relevant experience and activities. This is actually something that's surprisingly difficult for a lot of students um, to remember just like what did they do. Uh, and so we'll talk about some strategies for making sure your list is, is full of the things that you're busy spending your time on. We'll move on then into selecting from those experiences and activities what to actually include in a resume. And we'll think together a little bit about how to use active language to describe those experiences and then how to format your CV for letter writers specifically. So of course, when you go to put in um, your activities into a portal for application, the formatting will all change, um, but we wanna think about how to make ourselves presentable to those people who have to advocate for us in this process. And then as promised, there'll be some time for question and answer. So it would make sense to start off also, you know a little bit about me now, but for me to talk a little bit about what Med School Tutors is. So we're a company that does one-on-one -on -one online tutoring and we take people from pre-med through residency and even boards. And in fact, I've done um, ICU boot camps for people in residency. So it, it really truly is um, uh, a group that can take you from this early part of your journey all the way through the ending, which is one of the fun things. We do have 15 years of student successes. I have had students who I uh, tutored very early in medical school taxi when they do things like match at CHOP for pediatrics. Um, and so we do have a good track record and there are more information about those stats available on our website, um, which uh, you can visit if you want more information. And then um, who are we? Maybe it's like perhaps the most interesting and important question. Um, so we're uh, a mix of uh, pre-med and medical students, residents and attendings who have done well on our standardized exams and who are really passionate about teaching and making sure that um, the people we work with are successful, which often involves being individualized in the approach. Of course, there are best practices, but how those best practices work for different people um, can actually be pretty variable. And so a lot of what we think about um, from the beginning of the time you meet with anyone in our company is how do we throughout that process make sure that you're paired up with someone who um, has a style that fits the, the needs that you have um, and who's gonna be ready and, and flexible enough to meet you where you're at. Okay, so that's a little bit about MST. Um, let's talk a little bit about ground rules. So throughout all of this application process, there's really only two rules that I want you to keep in on your mind at all times. 
First is to always be honest and accurate. So I can't stress enough how important it is to be proud of what you are putting forward. Um, the things you have done, whatever they are, are worthy. And it is important for you to record them honestly and accurately in any part of the process, whether that's the personal statement, which we have an, another session on, I believe, coming up next week, um, or in the CV or in any other part of the application. Um, nothing uh, really in medicine is more important than honesty and accountability. and so. Um, in addition to being a, a red flag for your application, it, it would be concerning in general for someone to be dishonest in this process. And I would encourage you, if you're having temptations to do that, to think about where those are coming from. And again, we'll spend some time today thinking about building up our own confidence and thinking about what we've done to make sure we're not missing anything. In addition, um, being accurate and detail-oriented are qualities that uh, we look for in physicians. They end up being really useful throughout your whole career. And so again, um, you know, uh, not going crazy, but checking your T's and dotting your I's is an important part of the application process. So do proofread, do have a second set of eyes look at the work that you're doing. The other thing that can take a little bit of getting used to is that a lot of, a lot of people who have been in, in pre-med spaces um, are used to having a prescription for success. So um, you follow the rules, you have the outcomes you expect, um, and this is gonna be a little bit different. Uh, it is very, very typical to get mixed opinions. If you show a personal statement to five different people, you may get five different pieces of feedback. Um, each of those pieces of feedback will have some value in it, um, but this is something that takes time to get used to, and it can be helpful to feel confident um, in the person that you're speaking with. And that's one of the things that we, we do try to offer when we do one-on-one -on -one services, is to be sort of the uh, level voice that can help you sort through what inevitably will be mixed opinions about anything you put forward. Um, again, the good news being that uh, mixed opinions offer multiple perspectives. Um, more perspectives is always better as long as you have the ability to sort through them and take what's good from each. So I want you to keep those things in mind throughout your whole application process. As I said, these rules apply to every part of applying to medical school. They will continue to apply when you're successful in medical school to applying to residency as well. So maybe they're just rules for life. Okay, so I want to actually take a, a second here. We've been together only for about five or six minutes, um, but I want us to do an activity. And I'm going to give you about four minutes to do this. And so um, I want you to find a sheet of paper, or if you're like me and you're someone who really likes legal pads, you can grab a legal pad nearby. And then I want you to grab a pen as well. And what I want you to do is brainstorm activities that you've done. And to make this a little bit easier, let's let's put a little bit of a um, time capsule on it. So I want you to think specifically over the last year to two years, acknowledging that the pandemic has changed for many people what they were able to do. And you should be aware going into this process that everyone reading your applications will be aware of the fact that COVID has had an impact. So what I want you to go ahead and do is I want you to just, to just brainstorm um, activities for yourself that you might need to list in your resume or CV. And as I said, let's do this for three to four minutes. Great, so I love this. I really appreciate you participating too, talking into a camera on my own um, is much less fun if there's not chat happening. And so I think that, again, like thinking about this, this, this theme we talked about earlier, this process is a little bit different for everyone. So for some of you, this part of things is gonna be really easy. And then there'll be a later thing of describing it that needs some more coaching. And for some of you, it'll be the hard part will be thinking of what, what you did. And then once you name those to yourselves, you'll be able to, um, with, uh, with just a little bit of work, come up with really rich descriptions. And so 
for those of you who did say, oh, this was actually a little bit tough for me, um, I'm going to go ahead and, and point out uh, some methods for expanding this list. This is something that actually comes up quite commonly in the work that we do with people all across the, the spectrum is that often we're so busy that we don't have time to just sit down and think about what we've been doing. And it's actually really easy to lose track of things, particularly if you're the kind of person who ends up doing maybe an event that happens over a single day and there was tons of prep work for it, but it wasn't a longitudinal activity. And so what are things that you can do to go ahead and remind yourself of activities that you might have missed that can really make a difference in the strength of your application? So for those of you who um, are old school and still use paper planners, um, uh, I see you, I, I am uh, very much like you in that approach to things. And those planners are gold. Flipping through those and seeing what did I do throughout the months of the last year is a great source of jogging your memory. Um, if you don't use uh, planners, but instead use a calendar, that's another great thing to flip through. If you're someone who's moved past me into the 21st century of at least calendaring, um, using your iCal or other sort of smart calendars is another way to remind yourself of things you did. Um, and that is a very, very quick way to expand the list. And I've had um, in sessions with many of my students, uh, we do this together and they're shocked by how many things they've forgotten. So I encourage you to use that as a resource that you've been creating for yourself without knowing. Similarly, um, so much happens, particularly during the age of COVID, virtually and via um, email. And so going through your inbox and particularly um, searching for keywords in the inbox that might lead you to projects is a great, great way. So words like project, deadline, meeting are all things that will quickly yield um, subject lines that might jog your memory of things that you forgot you even had participated in or done. Similarly, um, not everyone applies through the exact same systems um, at different stages of education, but everyone who's applying to medical school does apply to college. And so that application, if you can dig it up, um, either through a portal or if you downloaded a, a copy of to keep through your records, is another great example of things that you have done. And while um, things from high school, uh, may some of them may not be relevant, really, really important accomplishments that have happened in the last five years are worth revisiting, even if they occurred before college. And we'll talk a little bit more about thinking which of those ones should we pull out. Most of us talk to our friends and family somewhat regularly and um, or to our, our partners, and that's another great source of information um, or to a roommate. Uh, it's just chatting with them and, and asking them to help you brainstorm things they've heard you talk about. Um, that's a great repository of memories that we may have forgotten. The other thing that I often ask people to do is consider whether you have invisible activities. So um, was there something that you did as that you founded yourself, that you got together a group of people and worked on together that you didn't think of as, as looking to build a CV, which is great because operating from a place of passion is always a, a great way to live. Um, but it's possible sometimes when we do those things that we don't realize that they evidence the qualities that we're looking for in physicians, whether those are the ability to manage, to collaborate, to communicate effectively. And so I'd encourage you also to think about particularly if you're um, a, a humble person or a person who kind of shows up and, and does what you can to contribute, whether you have invisible activities that you're forgetting about and that could help augment the list of activities with which you're applying to medical school. Okay, so I want you to go ahead and we're gonna do another activity as we think about selecting which experiences to include. So part of selecting experiences to include is to think about themes that are going to exist in your application. And when we talk about organizing your resume or CV, um, we will uh, come back to that. Before I explain this activity, I do wanna revisit that question that came up of what is the difference between a resume and a CV? 
functionally at this stage of training um, and this stage of education, I wouldn't worry too, too much about that distinction. It's a great question and they are different. Um, resumes do tend to list activities with dates and with descriptions. Um, they're often organized into a very short format to allow you to give it to someone and they can quickly scan it. CVs tend to be longer, um, often institutions or uh, uh, places of higher education will have specific requirements for how a CV should be formatted. Um, and faculty members will have them uh, on file. And CVs expand over the course of a lifetime and, and you never really remove anything that's important no matter how long ago it occurred. Again, at this stage of training and of learning and education, I would, I would think of them as more or less interchangeable for right now. And so today, um, I would say the advice uh, that I'm giving applies to, um, in some senses, either kind of document. So let's think a little bit about themes. So take that list of activities that you brainstormed. And if you're one of the people who just hopped in, totally fine. Go ahead and um, take some of the time we're going to give you here to brainstorm activities you've done in the last couple of years. And what I want you to do is try to think about themes that you can organize those activities in. So I want you to pretend that I've given you an assignment and I've asked you, put these things into categories, what sorts of categories emerge? And so again, let's take uh, not quite as long for this. Let's just go ahead and give a couple of minutes to think about themes. And I'll say that some of the ones you might come up with are things like teaching, leadership, service, clinical exposure, but you may come up with other ones and we'll talk about possible categories as we move forward. But I wanna start off by seeing what you come up with on your own. Again, coming back to that idea that the best place to come from is uh, you being your individual self and highlighting what's great about you. Let's see what categories emerge organically for, for each of us. Let's go ahead and just take a couple minutes for that now. So um, those couple of minutes have passed. So I would love in the chat for those of you who have brainstormed some themes to, to share them. I see um, a couple that are talking a little bit about service and leadership. Um, one that's talking about teaching and another that's actually specifically talking about teaching young children. And I love this because it runs sort of the full gambit of things um, that one could include in an application. So thinking about um, what is the right like level of category. So these more specific granular categories like teaching young children, those are themes I want you to hold on to when you go to sit down to write your personal statement. If that's something you're passionate about, thinking about how to connect that to your future in medicine is a great, great thing to do for a personal statement. For thinking about categories on a CV or resume, I want you to take one step higher. And so I would take teaching young children and make it into teaching, but know for yourself that um, part of what you're passionate about is young children and that that is gonna come through in other parts of the application, including how you describe the teaching that you did. So now that we thought about the themes, let's talk about a, a few more best practices for selecting activities to include or experiences to include in your application to medical school. So I wanna highlight something that comes up as a question quite often, which is, well, what about a small experience? What about something that was over one day or that I, that I prepped for, but it was a single time event? And my, my advice is always don't be afraid to include those small experiences um, or what you're labeling as small if they were meaningful or impactful. So if it's something you can talk about with passion and with heart, and again, can show who you are and how that, um, how those uh, parts of you are going to become uh, the physician you'll be someday, it's always fine to include it. Again, be honest, be proud of the thing that was the one day activity. Don't hide that it was a single day. Don't embellish that it was longer than that or something. Um, but, but do not feel afraid to include those activities um, if you can talk about them and the way that they um, were either meaningful or impactful for you or were impactful on um, other people. I um, 
also would say, uh, as I mentioned previously, that anything relevant from the prior five years um, would be uh, generally the, the time cap that a lot of people use for a, a resume. Again, this is a space where that distinction between CV and resume comes up. For your application process, I would say anything in the last five years that's really meaningful um, to include. Uh, often, um, things like national recognitions or awards are, are, are lifetime achievements. And so if you have things, even if they're from the middle of high school in that regard, you can still include them on your application to medical school. So moving right along, so now we've thought about, we've come up with a list of activities. We've talked about how to pull out themes and we'll talk about again, how to plug that into the CV and the personal statement. The next challenge is to come up with ways to describe the activities that we've done. So I want you to go through the list of activities you just created and I want you to pick one. And uh, the easiest way to do this particular activity is going to be to pick one that you feel really passionate about, maybe your proudest accomplishment on that list. Um, and if something immediately comes to mind that's outside that two-year brainstorm we did, if it was three or four years ago, pick that and add it to the list for this activity. And what I want you to do is make your um, best attempt over the next about um, minute or so to actually write out uh, a description of what you did for that activity and just stream of consciousness, brainstorm it. We just want to get something on paper and then we're going to talk about evolving the language and, and elevating the description to make it as strong as it can be. But 60 seconds of just um, straight brainstorming. How did that go? I would love to just hear how it felt to try to describe it. Yeah, so I think it, it can be a difficult experience a thing to, to come up with um, a description and it is made easier by doing that stream of consciousness, just sit down and write something. And so what I want us to think about now is taking that description and, and using an active verb guide. And so what I would say is um, we, will, we can definitely drop um, in the chat an active verb guide. What I'm gonna do right now though is flip to this, this next slide and I want you to go ahead and look at some of these these ideas and think about connecting back to that idea of, of themes. We can think about themes in terms of the categories of activities we have, but then at the level of an activity, we can think about selecting out parts of it that demonstrate certain qualities or features that we want that activity to demonstrate about us. So for example, here are just some domains that we look for in um, medical students and in physicians. So can someone work on a team? Um, being someone who can lead but also can follow is actually super important in medicine. Is this someone who can problem solve or create novel solutions? Someone who shows up uh, to a dilemma and comes up with a creative way to take next steps? Is this someone who can manage um, a group of people who can write and communicate with others clearly? Um, and then uh, is this someone who uh, can speak um, humbly but confidently about things they've achieved? And so when I think about those domains, here are just some verbs that, that one might use. Um, and what I want you to do as I'm going through these is to look at your stream of consciousness description of an activity. And I want you to think about, can I pull any of these words and use it to describe something that I did in that activity? So for thinking about working on teams, you could talk about collaborating, partnering. If neither of these words feel quite right, but you split a role with someone, you can always add co-dashed the beginning of almost any verb, and it will, it will indicate to the reader that you're working closely with another person and again, demonstrating an ability to be collaborative and a team player. 
In terms of thinking about novel solutions, I think sometimes uh, this can be a difficult thing to capture. And so these verbs are super helpful. Things like I like that someone innovated a new system or remodeled the design or redesigned the plan, um, transformed, upgraded. Uh, if it's something where the work you did really improved the quality of what was being done previously or envisioned. And I think uh, terms like envisioned can even um, suggest that beyond just uh, enacting what was done that you you were the um, mind that uh, created the plan. What about managing or leading? So things like uh, chaired, particularly if you were the chair of a committee, it's a great verb, um, coordinated, orchestrated, organized, oversaw. These are really, really important qualities in physicians who um, are at the head of large multidisciplinary teams. And so we do look for people who have um, done things in this space. Uh, and again, it doesn't have to be a committee of 100 people. You know, if you worked in a group of, of six or seven and you were in charge of delegating tasks and delegated is another great term and another great verb to use when thinking about managing or leading, that counts as, as evidence of leadership. Thinking about writing or communicating, um, and this is something that, again, like sometimes is an invisible activity, people don't realize that they've done. So if you authored a newsletter or if you composed an update or a bulletin, corresponded effectively across, if you worked in a lab, even those emails where you were corresponding with someone to give them updates on a project, if there was multiple team members, that is evidence of the ability to communicate. Um, if you were in charge of recording something in any setting, you were documenting things. If you were part of often sometimes college students will be in a lab and they might be asked to look at something to proofread it. So saying that you edited it or proofread it um, is, is evidence of contribution that's appropriate for level. Similarly, reviewed is another word that can be used to describe a process where, where you were involved, even if it didn't, for example, rise to the level of authorship. And then words to describe achievements. So if you've attained something, if you've been awarded something or, or exceeded the expectations that were stated, these are great verbs to use. And I would encourage you to, to really think about um, uh, spaces where these things happen, because again, um, achievements like these are, are lifetime achievements. And I would particularly think too, if, if you have other positions, like if you had a leadership role, or if within your lab or within some activity, you were selected for something, highlighting selection and being clear if you were selected by peers, which demonstrates um, uh, the ability to be trusted by those who you're working side by side with, or if you were, um, for example, nominated by someone who has a position of authority, highlighting um, the way in which you came into leadership roles can be a great way to uh, evidence achievement through your leadership uh, work. So what about formatting your CV? Um, and this really for our purposes will be geared towards thinking about showing um, ourselves to a letter writer. And so um, we, we do lose this formatting when we go to put it into the application portal, just to be explicit about that. Um, but uh, formatting your CV is, is important, or your resume, um, in order to make a good impression on the people who have to advocate for you later. This is also a great way to help your letter writers think about what they should write about. So um, I know that this can seem saying use a professional and clean format can seem like basic advice. So let me give you a little bit more of uh, detail and a little bit of a pro tip on how to achieve this, because I often have students who have been um, For lack of a better word fighting with their word document to try to make it look the way they want it to look. 
So what you see here, I am in fact Timothy Gordon Deister. I did remove some of my personal contact information, but this is my full name. Um, and what you'll see here is uh, my name is large and in the upper left-hand corner. Previously, I had my um, personal address in addition to my cell phone and an up-to-date email address. And then for me at this stage of my career, what's important is for people to know my education and training and licensure first. So they need to know that I'm a licensed physician and, and um, where I did my education and my training. And what you'll see here is that I've highlighted, for example, I'm currently a chief resident at UCSF, um, that I previously was a resident. And then within some of the other portions of my um, prior education, I've highlighted achievements within my description of being there. So the first thing you see is, is honor societies that I was involved in, um, a, a capstone project that demonstrates an area of passion and a, and a set of techniques that I, I can contribute in my career moving forward. And then you see also things like um, the level uh, that I um, graduated with from college. And I actually included my GPA in part because the way that the Bachelor, uh, the School of Arts awarded this distinction was, was unusual. And so I wanted people to know also what was my, my raw numbers. You could do something very similar. Now, when I show people this, they're often like, well, how did you make it look that way? How is this left aligned? How is this right aligned? How is it um, bulleted and not, like, and not all messed up? And so the easiest way to format a resume, and um, this is kind of the, the simple tip, but, but one that I think is money, for lack of a better term, um, is really to use tables. So um, if you create a table in Word, you can easily adjust the number of columns, you can easily adjust the height and the width, you can change within a given cell if text is right or left aligned. Um, and then what you do is once you're done making it look the way you like it to look, you just make the borders of the table invisible. And suddenly that formatting looks very clean and professional. Um, and like you have highly advanced skills uh, in presenting yourself, which actually is a salient feature when applying to a professional job. So now we have to ask ourselves a meta question. What are the categories we're going to put on our CV? And this is where I want you to go back to that activity that you um, had uh, done previously where you thought about your themes. And so let's compare some of those organic themes that you came up with um, to this list. So um, for example, categories that you might use for your resume to hand to a letter writer to help them think about what, does, what should I be highlighting about this person are things like education, leadership, teaching, um, service or volunteer work may be appropriate. If you have within service a very specific domain that you do work in, it may even be appropriate to create a subsection of service that has its own bold category. Clinical exposure is a great category. Research if you did it. And I would encourage those of you who did scholarship outside of the natural sciences not to discredit yourself and to include that. We're increasingly excited about people who come from diverse backgrounds in medicine, um, both personally diverse backgrounds as well as um, uh, scholarly diversity. Um, and so if you're someone who did a capstone project in a field outside of natural sciences, make sure you find a way to include that on your resume and that it's highlighted in your application. Similarly, in a, and along those lines, advocacy and activism are increasingly recognized in clinical medicine and academic medicine as really key contributions to our field and to um, the world of medicine. And so if you're someone who a lot of what you do is, is in that world, label it, put that on your resume as its own category. You won't be able to pull that into the portal, but your letter writers, when they go to write about you, are likely to use that as a frame that can tell a consistent story to the person reading your application and your letters. 
Similarly, if you are like a genius with implementation science, if you get handed a problem and you come up with a four part plan with a pipeline for how you're gonna fix it, implementation science is also increasingly recognized as an important contribution to medicine. And so do again, think about highlighting that. Um, I have colleagues who did, for example, got an MBA um, before coming to medical school or who studied business in college. And they often do have fantastic examples of an ability to uh, implement solutions to complex problems. And again, it's a quality we're looking for in the physicians of the future. If you've had publications and presentations, phenomenal. Local presentations count. If your college let you feature your work in a poster and you presented it at a symposium, do list that. That is completely legitimate. If you created the poster for it, you stood by it, whether it was uh, in the pre-COVID days or now on a virtual platform, that does count and should be included. As I said, honors and awards, are generally lifelong. Um, I would say uh, things like being on the honor roll in high school maybe could be left out of the application, but if you received a, a national or local recognition, um, even something that's regional, that is uh, probably a durable accomplishment that, that should be uh, carried forward with you as you go to construct your CV or resume. Similarly, it sounds funny, but if you're someone who does professional level work on social media, so if you're someone who was part of a club and you were in charge of managing the Twitter account for that club or activity, that is actually a skill that's increasingly important. And you need to look no further than the, the COVID times to see that physicians need to be agile with communicating with a wider and broader audience. Um, and that is just becoming more and more important. So if you offer true professional skills, not your personal account, but if you've done professional level work in this space, please highlight it. It is a, it is a boon and it is a strength that you will bring to your future work as a physician. Similarly, uh, the ways in which medicine and technology are interacting are increasingly important. And so I would encourage you, if you're someone who knows a computing language or who has special skills in technology or special training, to highlight that as potentially its own section on your resume or CV to make sure that it's highlighted both in your application by you and in your letters by your letter writers. And so I've said it uh, many times, but I'll say it one more to drive the point really, really home. Please do on your resume and CV, ensure that your categories are clearly labeled as these are gonna be the first pass impression that help build your narrative with letter writers. And um, I, I've looked at many resumes and CVs and I'll tell you the first thing I do is I scan those categories because it tells me in broad strokes, um, not just the story of this person, but the story this person wants to tell to the world about themselves. So take some time to really think about what are the right categories uh, for your CV or resume. Finally, um, it's really easy to forget when the last time you updated this document is, and that's really important, right? Because whatever technique you use for listing activities, each time you go to update your CV, you're gonna to wanna to do it for the interval that has passed since the last time you updated it. This is also helpful for the person looking at it to know that they are actually looking at an update document. So I encourage you in the footer of your document to include a little note to yourself. When is the last time you updated this document? Um, again, to, to keep yourself accurate. It's a best practice to update your CV and resume as you go. I know people are busy, it doesn't always happen. So again, this note will help you think about how much has happened since the last time I opened this document and, and what do I need to go back and re-add. So we've spent a, around 40 minutes together um, and I've taken you through some big picture ideas for how to prepare your CV. Um, 
And I wanted to also talk a little bit about what med school tutors can do in that regard. Um, and so this is the, the five-step process that um, MST uses. And as I talked about at the beginning, our philosophy really is that every student is unique. We want each of our students to be successful in ways that feel right to them. And the way to do that is to really think um, first across the spectrum. So to start at, at day one, where is the where is the end of the story? Where does the story head? And also to be um, thoughtful about who works with who and to make sure that our tutors broadly are flexible in their approaches so that they can meet students' needs. And so the way that this process works is that you start off with a phone chat with a student coordinator, and then you get an opportunity to meet with your expert tutor, or in this case, consultant. Um, and then there's a trial period, you work with the student coordinators to finalize. Uh, and then again, the, the big picture idea here is support. Our, um, we very consistently hire and, and emphasize in the training for our tutors and consultants that what we really just want is your success. And, and helping uh, you get to wherever it is that you want to go in a way that works best for you. And again, um, this, this work is customized for you. Um, it is adaptive, uh, whether that is for test prep or in this case for consulting. Um, there is a very clear communication between sessions and we really emphasize that with the, the consultants and the tutors uh, the importance of being communicative um, and responsive uh, and our or we generally don't have to push that message because we hire people who really like what they're doing. Um, and then uh, we, we really do aim to just mentor you, support you, guide you, and, and in all senses to be accountable um, to making sure that you're getting what you need to be successful. Um, and as we've talked about today, we have, of course, the med school admissions advisement. We do also have coursework tutoring available, so it doesn't have to be for a standardized test. And we do also offer packages that are one-time strategic planning sessions. So if what you really just need is someone to sit down with you and think for some amount of time about your next steps, um, we're happy to do that too. A lot of people prefer the longitudinal relationship. It's certainly wonderful for us to see you succeed. Um, but if you're someone who just needs a one-time session, that's available as well. So let me go ahead and um, we have a, you know about 20 minutes left in the hour and I would love to field any questions. Um, and I, I appreciate uh, the feedback about the, the tables and the CV being a uh, genius. I'm glad it feels like a helpful detail. So thank you, Megan. Oh, I love this. There's tons of questions. <laughs> That's great. Keep them coming. Um, okay. What would a passion project or invisible activity fall under? Let's say you built a website or have a big social media following for mentoring, et cetera. Yeah, that is, those are great examples. Um, and, uh, it sounds like the question that we're asking is where to put that within the categories of the resume. So I think um, certainly uh, something like if you built a gigantic social media following, it would depend. If that's something that you want to highlight as a distinct skill, which, which might be relevant depending on other things in your personal statement and the narrative you're building, you could on your resume or CV really make that its own its own category. And so it could be um, communication and social media. Um, it could be management of social accounts. So something that highlights um, that you have niche skills in that domain. In terms of building a website, that also could go um, either in a special category if you've done it multiple times or if, if you have a theme of, of design, for example, you could absolutely have design experience um, or, or virtual design experience or digital design experience as its own category. Um, 
both of those things, I would say, also could go under leadership. So if um, if you're looking at your resume and saying, oh, shoot, you know, like I don't have a ton under my examples of leadership, then you might not subdivide. And you might say, you know what, all of these are examples of leadership. And I'm going to go ahead and put them under that category to build out that section, acknowledging that if you continue along this road of doing all this uh, telecommunication uh, and digital materials production, eventually it may emerge as its own category on your resume or CV. And then another question, do you have any advice for non-traditional students or career changers in terms of what activities to include? It's a really great question. So um, if you're someone who's had a prior career um, or who is a switching what you've done in the past, the, the biggest modification I'd make to the advice that I've given so far is that the five-year rule probably doesn't apply to you. So I want you instead to think about over whatever interval has passed from the beginning of college till now, what are the most important things that you have done? And then what, what, what you'll want to do is once you've generated that list is think about um, whether it's uh, of an appropriate length. And that's a little bit subjective, um, but I think that what you're gonna to wanna to do is, is liberate yourself from that five-year limitation because it's very possible an experience you've had six or seven years ago is highly relevant to applying to medical school. In terms of what activities to include, I'd come back to some of those fundamental domains that we talked about. So things like th that demonstrate an ability to um, communicate, to lead, to manage, to uh, create a vision and execute it. All of those are relevant skills. And any profession you've had, regardless of the um, field in which you had that profession, you're gonna wanna include on your resume. It, it is relevant work experience that you're bringing and it is a perspective you're bringing and going to contribute to your medical school class. And when you sit on the other side of things and think about creating a class, that's actually really relevant. You want to bring together a group of people who are going to be synergistic, work well together, and who are going to learn from each other's past lives. And so if you bring something really unique in terms of the work you did, Michelle, you absolutely um, wanna highlight what that work was. Shan, great question. How long is too long for a resume or CV? There's no perfect answer to this question. So um, in a traditional kind of setting, resumes really were single pages that you could hand to someone that they would look at quickly, that you might even, you might even, you know, kind of lean in and pass to them during a meeting. When you're thinking about preparing this for the application, and for your letter writers, I would encourage you to be a bit more liberal. So I think I would take a little bit more of that CV mentality. And, and instead of asking yourself about a length, I would ask yourself, is this important? And how do we decide what's important? So there's a couple different ways. As we talked about, high level recognitions are always important. Um, those are external markers of what you've achieved and what you've done. And so you'd wanna include anything um, that is an honor or award that, that shows that you have, have excelled in an area. It doesn't have to be academic. If you are someone who writes and you've had a, like poetry published, that should be included as an award or honor or an achievement. If you are someone who is a runner and you've run a half marathon or a marathon, that is an achievement. It demonstrates the ability to dedicate yourself to something, um, pursue it and develop a high level of skill. So those things should always be included, awards and honors. Past that, I would start to think about um, Anything in the last five years that you can talk about passionately would count. And anything from before five years that is truly, truly had a documented impact on others. 
there's a little bit of flexibility in terms of if it's something that's truly meaningful to you. If you have, you know, six or 10 or 12 activities from high school that are meaningful to you, I wouldn't include all of those. It's probably reaching too far back. But if you did something even in the middle of high school that was really, really impactful and meaningful to you, um, or if it's the experience that like led you to wanting to do medicine, for example, those are things that I would still include. Finally, clinical exposure, no matter when it occurred, is relevant. So if you all through high school and college, for example, or let's say in high school, you did one set of clinical volunteering and now in college, you did something different, always include that. All clinical exposure and similarly all research experience that is, that is true research experience is relevant. It's unusual for high schoolers to do robust research, but every once in a while we do have someone who, who has, who went to a school where that was possible. If you've, if you've made meaningful scholarly contributions, those are also durable lifelong achievements. And then a follow-up, thank you. So to clarify, it sounds like it's more about highlighting the skills you exercise in those activities rather than the actual activity itself. In other words, even if you participated in activities outside the medical field, a lot of those skills, like communication organization skills, are relevant and helpful in the medical field. It's all about how you write about the activity, correct? Michelle, I could not have said that better myself. And I really want you, once you've put everything together and you're doing your final pass of your application, to revisit those big domains and ask yourself, gosh, like, are there some of these I could highlight more? And you might even decide that in a, in a given activity to really highlight specific features of it to, to demonstrate those domains. But you're completely right. At the end of the day, it's about writing about what you did in those roles, what skills you built in those roles, what you achieved in those roles, because it may not be readily apparent to you when you're first applying, but once you get to medical school, you'll realize that you're bringing your whole self to it and, and all those experiences you had will inform the kind of work you do and the, the impact you have um, both on your classmates and on your patients. Great questions. I'm so glad it's been helpful. This is great. Thank you so much for the positive feedback. If there aren't any more questions, then what I'll say to wrap up is I really appreciate you spending an hour of your evening with me. Uh, it's been really, really fun to sort of virtually host this seminar. Um, I have been with med school tutors for, I think, it's been, I think, six or seven years. Um, and it's uh, a wonderful group of people. And I mean it when I say that. Um, so at so many junctures, they have proven over and over again to me as, uh, uh, as one of the people who works there, the degree to which they're dedicated to the students and their success. Um, and so if this was helpful and you imagine that um, additional conversations with, with someone like me would be, uh, please do reach out. We would love to at least open that chat with you um, to see if, if ongoing um, work with one of our consultants or a one-time strategic session would uh, jumpstart your success. And no matter what we choose, we're excited for you as you begin this process. Um, and I look forward to having you as a colleague someday. So thanks so much for being here, everybody. We hope this was helpful and that it took some of the guesswork out of the equation for you. If you have any questions or would like one-on-one -on -one tutoring, get in touch with us via our website, medschooltutors.com, via email at hq at medschooltutors.com, or give us a call if you're old school like that, at 212-327-0098. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, share, and review us on your podcast app. And if you want more helpful, free information, visit our blog, check us out on social media at MedSchoolTutors, or visit our forum at usmletutors.com. Thanks for listening. Be well.